Hi folks, I'm Larry. You're now listening to Larry. This is our monthly podcast where we're going to be interviewing some experts who can add some value to your real estate life. Well, good morning everybody. This morning we're going to um, have a chat with Sam Guo, who's part of the Sam and Julia team. And uh, we're really thankful that Sam would spend the time with us and give us a bit of his wisdom. I'd like to start off by telling you some of Sam's credentials because um, he's truly worth listening to. I would estimate that Sam is clearly the best agent in uh, Queensland. Um, and, and I'll try and qualify that in just a second because obviously other agents listening to this might take umbrage with that. However, let's just say that Sam joined our team at Ray White in 2013. Is that right, Sam? Yes, end of 2013. 2013. Um, for the past five years, Sam and his team, Sam, Julia and their two support people have been uh, Ray White Queensland's number one and have averaged about $100 million in sales per year which is circa $2.5 million in gross com every year. Now, that's clearly the best in Ray White. And um, because uh, Ray White holds such a dominant space in uh, market share in Queensland, I would challenge that they're very likely not to be any other agents in any other brands doing similar numbers. So the reason for that comment is not to big note Sam, it's purely to identify why we're interviewing Sam. <clears throat> when somebody does something extremely well, obviously some of the things they're doing are good, and therefore it's worth listening to them. So, Sam, thanks for joining us. Um, if you don't mind now, let's just get to know Sam. So a little bit of preview here. Please give us the start of Sam, who's now aged 44. Is that correct? Yes. 44. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Sam from age 21. Oh, Jesus, that's a long time ago. <laughs> well, when I was 21, and I think I was still in China and uh, studying my university. And then, um, yeah, by the age 23, I still remember that was the year of my peak of my life, I think, early life, because I had like a four jobs at one year. So, and four full-time jobs. So, you know, when I talk to a lot of the young agents these days and um, you know they were saying oh you know doing this job is so hard I said hold on when I was at your age I did four jobs at one year and I didn't feel that hard um, so but that, that really uh, you know I'm very happy at what I did and uh, gave me a lot of the confidence and also you know um, discovered myself and how capable I, I you know I can be um, yeah that was uh, really start of my career when you did four jobs, did you do random jobs for money or was there a target at the end? Were you looking to learn something specific? No, um, I worked my first job, full-time job. I worked for the TV station and I worked for advertising department. And I was doing so well. I think I was number one, number two. Uh, then I got headhunted by the largest outdoor advertising company in China. Okay. So the CEO, CEO came to see me and uh, we had a coffee at a hotel um, and she just said, I want you to join me and we're going to open a new branch in your city and I want you to be the branch manager. So I became the youngest branch manager in China for the company. Um, and then uh, uh, I opened my own advertising company after a while. Um, yeah, just doing so well and very busy. Um, and then um, that time and I had family. So um, and then uh, we opened a cafe as well. Okay. So that was just purely for hobby. 
So, um, every day, you know, I woke up and I went to different offices, you know, TV station and then my own company and then the advertising company. And at nighttime after dinner, I would just went back to the cafe to click the money. The Chinese way. They work very hard. Yeah. So, so what brought you to Australia, Sam? Yeah, uh, I guess that was the um, reason because I started really early. And, um, you know, I just um, I was used to with a very busy life and, you know, very uh, going, going, keep going, you know, like a really busy nonstop. And after a while, I just felt, oh, you know, I want to have a different lifestyle. And I always wanted to go overseas and to study English. So that's why I came to Australia when I was 26. Perfect. So you came to Australia to improve your English? Yeah, to study purely, just to want to have a different lifestyle. Yeah, interesting. It's getting pretty good now, Sam. Your English is good. <laughs> it's much better than my Chinese. <laughs> okay, Sam, let's move on. Um, what I did before this interview, I put some questions out there, or Elkie did for us, and said to sure. our group, um, let's ask Sam some questions. So they've given me a few to ask you. So if I may start, sure. I'm not sure who these questions came from, but they certainly came from our group at the office. If you had to start again in a strange city, so let's assume you were starting real estate in Sydney tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What would the three most important things be for you to get up and running. Excuse me. Uh, it doesn't matter where you go, and you always have to be, um, you know, like very, very committed. Uh, if I started from any other city, if I still doing the same job, and I think the attitude is the number one thing for me, and I think for a lot of people as well. So you need to have a very, very good attitude. Um, there, are, there are no shortcut for this business. You really have to get onto the, you know, the dirty stuff and then, uh, you know, you, the hard work and you need to do door knocking, you need to basically start from scratch. So there's no shortcut. A lot of people will try to find a shortcut. Yeah, I want to well, become like a rich and famous and, and uh, overnight it's never going to happen. Mm. So attitude is very important. And also I think the, uh, um, the self-belief because you need to believe in yourself. And, um, you know, in this business, it's a long-term business, and you can't just start straight away. And normally it takes like a three months, six months, or sometimes, you know, even longer to build up yourself, build up the brand and also the reputation. So you need to believe in yourself. There will be a lot of rejections. A lot of people, unfortunately, they, once they get rejections, they're just like, oh, well, okay, I'm not good enough, and I want to give up. So you really need to believe in yourself, and uh, you, you can do it. I have... Uh, had that experience before. When I started in 2005 uh, in this business, um, and I got a lot of rejections because I was um, new to the city and also I couldn't speak very good English. Uh, plus, you know, I'm migrant as mm. well. So a lot of people just know I'm not <coughs> selling, I'm not going to sell, I'm not going to sell. Um, you know, um, luckily they were very friendly, you know. Um, so I got a lot of rejections, but I believed in myself and I believed I could do it. So just keep doing. So that's attitude and self-belief. And also I think, you know, in this business as well, and you need to have very good integrity as well. Um, you know, unfortunately there are some people have missed, um, you know, uh, kind of like an understanding of the business and w of real estate people. Um, but I think you need to have integrity and you need to show people you are a very nice person as well. And you, you, know, you are honest and you, you do the job and you do everything <coughs> for them. So 
Let's, Sam, can I interrupt there? Let's drill down on that a bit. When you say um, show them that you're honest, so the, the thing that you've described there is resilient. They need to be resilient to start in this business. But secondly, what you're saying is to show integrity. If any deal that is uncomfortable presents itself, you must be prepared to stand up or walk away from the deal. You've got to show them from the beginning that there's certain behaviors that will encourage and others we just won't do. I think from... Uh, a principal's point of view, often the new agents become intimidated and mm. they're likely to go along with something that doesn't feel right rather than reject. And I think from the beginning what you're saying here is reject it. If it doesn't feel good, you tell them straight up, that's not the way we'll do business. These are the only guidelines that we that we will work within. Absolutely. I think okay. that's important because otherwise, and you can damage <coughs> your reputation. And, and, and our business is a long-term business, not just like a one-off. So, you know, if you don't feel right, and then don't do it. Yep, absolutely. Okay, second question. Um, for a couple of years before you joined us, um, you were an agent along with many other agents on the coast. At what point did you move away from the pack? I, I don't know how many agents there are on the coast, but hundreds, probably in excess of thousands. Yeah. But clearly now you and a couple of others have adopted top spot. So for the nicest listings, you tend to get the call-ins. Yes. So at what point did you break away from the pack? And was that conscious? Did you do something special to break away or did it just happen naturally? No, it didn't happen naturally. I think um, that probably really, I think, uh, went back to 2008 or 2009 when we had a GFC. Um, and every agent was struggling with the market and you know they just felt it's so hard so difficult you know when the market was tough but then at uh, that time i teamed up with julia and we both believed uh we could crack the market <coughs> by doing you know uh, hard work and when people tried to quit i uh, tried to change the jobs and we just went for it we believe this is more like you know the uh, the water bottle half full half empty yes. theory so we thought okay you know because <coughs> the market is tough and that's why the market needs someone really dedicated themselves to the business and work hard and think of the clients all the time because they need your help. That's why we went for it. And plus, I guess that time was the year and when a lot of the Asian buyers came to Australia, choose Australia to leave. And um, we had this unfair advantage because um, you know that was the reason. Also, because Julia and I, we both believed uh, marketing yep. strongly. Because uh, my background is marketing advertising. That's what I just said in the beginning. Uh, I had my advertising company, so I am the 100% strong uh, believer of marketing. Um, you know, all this add together, like we believe in marketing, and uh, and also, uh, you know, we had different, you know, like a unique identity. And plus, we worked very hard, and during the tough times, and people remember you. So to summarize, I understand that the market was unique and you had what you described as an unfair advantage there. But the key element there, the key takeaway is that you never, never relaxed on your marketing. No. So you increased your marketing when times were tough. <clears throat> now, just to qualify that, I think everybody should just know that Sam and Julia probably spend about a half a million dollars a year on newspaper advertising. So that's not total advertising, but that is something that clearly puts them apart from all the others. That is a significant amount of money. We'll get to that a little bit later, but sure. marketing is, is a key. Okay, last question from our team is, <clears throat> please name one thing. I've got 
probably six or seven new agents in our office now. And the question is, what is the one thing you would do now if you were a brand new agent that would leapfrog you up the ladder? What is one thing you would do as a brand new starting agent? Focusing on your main patch, main area, and door knocking. So focus on one patch and door knock. Yeah. If you are a brand new agent, focusing on one main area and door knocking. Okay, so you need a significant uh, place of influence. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. You we need, need, need them to... You, you need to basically <coughs> choose the area yes. that you want to do for long term because that's your main patch. That's your farming area. And then door knocking, you need to introduce yourself to people, not just... I know a lot of people do code calling and, um, you know... Um, for different ways to talk to people and they are very, very uncomfortable to face people. That's what I said in the beginning as well, rejections. And how you handle rejections, you need to believe in yourself. So when you do door knocking, what the fear, uh, I think the fear brings to the, to the uh, new agents are the rejections. Most yes. people don't feel comfortable. So you need to overcome that and you need to door knock and to introduce yourself and see people, talk to people, to show them who you are, what you look like, and uh, to show your smile, you know, for example. Yes. And when I did, <coughs> when I started and I, I door knocked all of Capri, for example, on all the time. And, uh, you know, people even reject you and then they still reject you with a smile. And they just say, oh, hi, and sorry, you know, we, we're not selling. Um, but, you know, at least they see who you are. And after a few times and they remember, they said, oh, well, I remember that Chinese guy. What's his name? Uh, what's his name? You mm. know, and <laughs> but after probably a few months later, and they just said, oh, yeah, it's Sam. Yes. Yeah, the Chinese guy, his name is Sam, yeah. So people remember you. I think that's very important. So nobody needs a real estate agent until they need one. Yeah, absolutely. What's quite funny about life is that <coughs> only about 6% of people are selling their homes at any one time. So 94% of people don't need to meet a real estate agent. But the three things that cause properties to sell, and I'm going to be a little bit frivolous here, are death, divorce, and the bank. Those three things cause properties to sell. So people never know when one of those three things is going to be upon them. And that's the time that they need to know an agent's name. So if you've not taken the time to introduce yourself, they could list with anybody. However, if they know you best, you're likely to be the one that gets called in. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Now, Sam, let's drill down. I want to talk specifically about a few things um, as much detail or as little detail as you like. So let's start off with marketing. This is a speciality of yours, and I believe this is probably the single most important thing that has given you and Julia the success that you have. So with marketing, quality or quantity? Quality. Quality. Okay. Please, please expand that. Okay. Um, when we decided to, you know, um, help our clients to promote the properties, and then we will look at okay, the, every single property as a <coughs> as a project. So how we're going to, you know, promote this and make it a very successful, and then we need to have a, like a we call a world class marketing. You need. I always say to my clients, okay, we are not your real estate agents. We are your marketing agents because we will help you to make sure your property. And it's, you know, basically up there and every single person on the planet will see your property, you know, and it's for sale. So it's not about quantity, um, it's about quality and how you do it and where you do it. And do it properly and make it uh, very memorable so everyone sees it, hears it and, oh, well, that's property for sale. 
Okay, which is difficult to do because it's expensive. So we've identified that it's important to you, but most agents really struggle to get VPA, vendor paid advertising. How do you do it? Well, because most people are scared of getting it. That's why we do it better. So are you saying they're scared of getting the advertising, meaning if they ask for it, they will potentially lose the listing? What are they scared of? Well, I think once again, rejections as well and also fear of loss. Um, People, a lot of agents, and they think, oh, well, if I ask the vendor to pay for the advertising, and then uh, they might say, no, it's going to cost us too much, and then uh, I won't go with you. I will go with another agent, for example. Mm. So that's the... uh, rejection and a fear um, but if you think in different way and also you basically um, tell your vendor and uh, show them why that is important it's when you're talking about it just mentioned about it's expensive expensive compared to what if you expensive compared to no results it is expensive mm. if when you compare <coughs> to you get them a really good result and will help them to reach a good result and uh, it's not expensive so when you're looking at the percentage, okay, if you're selling a property for two million, and you spend you know a certain amount of money for the advertising or marketing, and that's the investment. So um, when a lot of clients, our clients, they are business people. When they look at that figure, clearly they make sense. So if you had a two million dollar listing, what as a percentage, what sort of budget would you recommend for a marketing budget for a two million dollar property? Well, I believe one of the gurus used to say, you know, one percent. One percent is yeah. marketing spend. Yeah. So we actually we don't spend that much, but you know, um, more or less we spent probably let's say fifteen thousand dollars for two million property, or could it be a little bit, little bit more? So that's three quarters of a percent. It it sounds negligible actually when you compare it to um, what can be achieved with good marketing. So you spend a significant amount of your money on the newspaper, um, and others don't. Everybody's telling us, me that digital is the way to go and you just do not need newspapers anymore. You have kicked up against that forever now. You still, I think at this last week, uh, you had seven pages in the bulletin yeah, yeah. Um, at an average cost of, to correct me if I'm wrong here, probably about $2,800 a page. Is that what the, the newspaper uh, costs? Well, the, no, um, it's actually cheaper than that. Is it? Yeah, it's cheaper Good. than that for, for, for Ray White now. <laughs> Yeah. I should have known that. Wonderful, Sam. Thanks. But <laughs> but seven pages is still very significant. So it is. you spend money on the newspaper because clearly you believe it works. Mm-hmm. Why is the newspaper in, important to you when, when many other agents are no longer using it? Well, I, I don't think it's just I believe or Julia believes. I think it's it works. The reason, okay, I have to come this a little bit longer for the, the idea. The human brain only remembers uh, a brand or new brand, a new image, um, at least we see or hear or five or six times. Okay, so I always use the example for a lot of people to understand that. And I said, for example, like a Coca-Cola when they came to China in 1990s, and I said to them, do you know how, how many times? And, and they advertise, they promote the brand or the image on the TV station, and they promote at least 20 times a day. 20 times a day. Wow. Yeah, and because they, what they want to achieve is they, after one year, 365 days later, if they completely stop the advertising in China, guess what? Everyone in China still remember the brand because you can never get rid of that brand or image. 
So five to six times, that's minimum. See, our job is to, as I said, to make sure every single person on the planet knows the property is for sale. We are marketing agents. So if we, we can't get rid of the newspaper, no problem. But the problem with that is you get rid of the, you know, something and a lot of people still read it. Let's say 28% or 34% of people still read it. And the baby boomers, they still read it. Yes. If anyone go to the um, cafe on the Saturday morning, and just watch how people, you know, the, 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 we call it consumer behavior. What they do? Likely they grab a cup of coffee or breakfast and then they read a newspaper. And a few times, because I want to see how people react with that, I will walk to the, the cafe, have breakfast, <coughs> sit down, just watch people, because I like to watch people, what they do. And then uh, often I couldn't find that real estate section, because mm. I ask people, excuse me, can I borrow, have a look? Because everyone, you know, they grab it, they read it. So it works. So. Unfortunately, it's not up to us and to you know, discriminate anything from the, you know, from the sources. We should provide the clients the options. That's yes. our job. Sure. If I can add to that, all I'll say is from my own experience that the newspaper provides emotional bias. I bought my own place looking at a picture in the newspaper. And once you become emotionally attached to a property that you want, you pay more for it. Yeah. So I found that the internet gives us lots of inquiry, but the emotional attachment always comes from one great photo that they fell in love with, then take the time to look at the house. The house lives up to that photograph, and they end up going for it. it it's a and trigger. Yeah, it's, it's, a, trigger a, it's point. a trigger that yeah. really works. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. Yeah. Get it. The newspaper costs a little more. Um, if I were selling a house, I would never, ever not advertise it in the newspaper. And that's just personal. Sammy, I think we've covered marketing. Let's move on to method of sale. This is important because everybody has an opinion, including some owners who think they can sell properties themselves, about the way a property is sold. You and Julia have taken the position that you probably uh, auction 80% of your properties. Yeah, could be more. Yeah. So I think probably more. But... Why that method of sale? Let, let's cover a few of them, but why have you chosen that way? As I said, because it, it works. We only choose the way and we only choose the method or the marketing only because it works. Yep. So we have, like you said, okay, let's say 80 at 20% and we have chosen 20% properties, you know, go private treaty, for example. Um, and uh, clearly we can see that private treaty is a lot of slower lot a lot slower and also there's no sense of urgency for the buyers but is slow important if it's a bit slower and it still sells like it, it, why, it is, why it is, is that important it is you? very important i think it's important for the sellers and we and for the property as well we always say to the clients i would say look okay um forget about what we do and whether you feel comfortable or we feel comfortable and it's what's the best for the property because that could be your best asset you know and the reason why owner choose us to sell the property First of all, they want a result. Secondly, they want to sell the property. So, and um, you know, if the property is sitting on the market for too long, definitely not good for the seller. Um, they're selling property for a reason. You know, even the move on life, you know, like life changes yeah. or financial reasons. So they need to sell the property. And secondly, um, when the property is sitting on the pro market for too long and it gets stale and actually devalue the property, so, so the longer it stays on the market, the less likely it is to get a premium price. Would you say that's true? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, everyone wa wanted to buy uh, fresh. You know, mm. when the mm. see, we always see good buyers when the property hits the market the first three, uh, uh, three, four weeks mm. because that's the prime time. And buyers, um, a lot of buyers, they, they miss the other properties. They're tired of looking properties. 
So once they see a new property come to the market, that's why the time they want to see the property, they want to make an offer, they want to buy the property. See, if you look at the figures, um, you know, last quarter, for example, we have sold 10 properties prior to auction, which is unheard of, mm. you know, and it just shows people that works, you know, sure. and the vendor is very happy <coughs> and less stress, less pain, you know, and they can move on. Absolutely. Just an interesting statistic here, if I may, Sam, because these are office statistics that you might not be aware of. But an office like ours, we're a big team, 35-odd agents. We would sell probably 500 to 600 properties a year, so it's a significant number. And this is a statistic that will be interesting for everybody, I think. If a property that was going to auction has not sold after 60 days only 15% of them then sell. It clearly indicates to us, there's, there's only two reasons that property don't sell. One, there's something wrong with the property, most unusual. Or two, the owner, the vendor's price is incorrect. Yeah. So if they've gone through the auction campaign, received the offers, got the feedback that they require, if they've then elected not to take those offers during the first 60 days, only 15% of them sell. It means that the price is wrong. Yeah. It clearly tells the owner that you've miscalculated the market, go and do it again next year or when the price reaches your expectation. So we know that the auction system works. Yeah. Okay, that's, a, that's well covered, thanks. So is there any special skill an auction agent should have or can anyone do one? Alki's good at marketing. If we gave her an auction tomorrow, could she run a good campaign? I think she could. <laughs> that's, all, that's good news. So is there a special skill that you need to run one well? Because many agents, especially if they come from a non-auction background, yep. are absolutely petrified of them and then talk them down. They tell people that they don't work. But I think clearly it's more likely that they don't understand why they work. That, that, that is my personal view. Yeah, no. I, I, once again, I said you have to believe in what you do. You have to believe in it because it works and we have, you know, showing people and uh, how we do it. Um, and also I think it, the person needs to be very confident as well. Mm. Y you need to be very confident and comfortable, uh, you know, talking to people and, and uh, also, you know, at auction day, for example, and running the, the crowds and the floor. Uh, but before that, and, and oh, you need to stick with the, the process, for example, and you need to, you know, a, lo a lot of work involved. You need to have report. You need to have the feedback to the, the vendor um, and constantly talking to the buyer and encourage them and keep them warm. Um, you know, it's like a really, you know, pro good process to yes. towards the end. But uh, once again, I think the agent needs to be very confident and also comfortable stick with the, with the, uh, the process. I think I'll add to that by saying, guys, that anybody can do an auction once they've been taught what the process is. But unless they understand an auction process, they probably shouldn't just tackle one because if they don't get that right, they miss the point of the auction and won't achieve the best price. Absolutely. I think also for new agents that work in auction offices, they should probably consider doing in-room auctions first until they're really comfortable and then go on site and do them alone. They need the support of a team to talk to buyers and to, to create the excitement and the competition required to get best price. Yep, yep. So the really experienced agents can do it on site, but I think the beginners should all do them in rooms until they have their confidence. Absolutely, just to watch how other agents do. That's right. And also get the support from the team. Yep, I agree with that. Um, why do you think you're able to achieve better prices for your vendors using this method of sale? Well, the auction, you, you definitely you created a competition rather than isolation. 
So through the three weeks or four weeks, you know, the the campaign, and uh, you basically build up the, you know, the the, the hate, and uh, from the bars, and you know, and you have more than one interested party, you know, and that's why how you created the competition in order to get the best price for the seller. Absolutely. So if you're negotiating individually, then it's a buyer and a seller with you in between, and they can offer any price, and it's exactly. sometimes difficult to close the gap. Yeah. There's there's nothing more um, intoxicating than being at an auction when three or four people want the same property and just another thousand or just another two thousand from each of them ends up another ten thousand in the vendor's pocket. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, we have seen so, that many, many times. So competition is the key, especially in a, in a busy market like this. If more than one person wants the property on the same day in the same room, a premium price will be achieved. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Let's assume you have a vendor, and we do get those, that does not want to go to auction, probably because he's been um, intimidated by one in the past or it hasn't worked well for him, whatever the reason is, but he does not want to go to auction. How important is it to then get the asking price right from the beginning? So he's not going to auction, but he says to you, Sammy, I want a million dollars for this property. Mm -hmm. Let's assume in your mind, and you're fairly experienced, you think that property is only worth 900000 Right. How do you handle that? Well, we have had that sort of um, scenarios as well. Um, you know, first of all, and I would say to the vendor that, um, you know, um, the price might, might be a little bit ambitious, but we're willing to try. <laughs> you know, you have to be honest with them and just say, okay, that's what you want, and we respect your decision <coughs> and your wishful thinking. Um, but we're willing to try. You respect the wishful thinking. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, um, um, but always uh, tell them, okay, we are happy to try, let's say, for two weeks. Yes. See how it works. Yes. If it doesn't work, and then uh, I said, you need to be prepared to change your, your strategy. We have to change the strategy if it doesn't work. And then prove, uh, give yourself, give us two weeks and to see whether you are correct. If you're correct, and then we're very happy for you, we'll get the result for you. If it doesn't work, that means... We need to change. Okay. So the vendor's the boss. He gets what he wants, but then obviously has to be open-minded to suggestions absolutely. if the system is not working. Yeah, absolutely. Makes I think sense. the whole conversation needs to be very open. Yeah. Like you need to let them know, okay, we are willing to do whatever you, you want us to do. And, mm. and you know, given, let's say, two weeks, not, no, lo no longer <coughs> than two weeks. And after that, if it doesn't work, and then we need to change something. I think a key takeaway point here is that you get your vendors on side. They believe that you're on side with them to get the best price for them. I think lots of agents put themselves in a position where the vendor's there and they almost become the opposition. The vendor feels like the agent is the buyer. They debate things rather than I'm clearly on your side yeah. wanting to do the best thing for you to get you the best price. The vendor needs to understand that and accept that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you know, we are here to do the job for you. And yes. you definitely need to keep the vendor on, on the same side. That's right. A and also, uh, you just need to, I think, once again, remember, I repeat and repeat again. And we are here to make sure the property will be sold and everyone knows the property is for sale. So either it's today or we after you, you know, follow your, your, your thinking and your mm. strategy. If it doesn't work, then we have to change and because it's not about how you feel, how I feel. It's what's the best for the property. Understand. So I rephrase that all the time. What's the best for the property? So that's very important for the vendor to think as well. Good. Okay, marketing's covered, method of sales covered. Let's move on to prospecting. You and Julia always seem to have enough stock. 
Busy market, quiet market, you and Julia just power through and you've got enough stock. So how do you plan for that? This is a system. Prospecting is a key for real estate business. And I think um, if you look at um, all the successful agents, they're all very, very strong listers. If they don't have enough listing and the business just won't sustain. So um, Julia and I, we have very good system and uh, we do that a week, week, week in, week out. So we always have, you know, the, the procedure, you know, prospecting, prospecting, prospecting. So you sell and prospect at the same time. And always you should have the, the, the way, if you sell property, for example, one property, and you should have at least two listings coming. So that's our, how we do it, you know. So how much of your time would you estimate you spend on prospecting? So if, if you know, if there were 100 hours in a, in a week, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, but if there were 100 hours in a week, how many of the hours would be dedicated to prospecting? And then how do you split up your week? If 100 hours, I can tell you, 50 hours will be prospecting. Oh, fair. Yeah, and 30 mm. hours will be um, actually vendor meeting and uh, negotiations and open houses, auctions, and 20 hours for yourself. Okay. Fair balance. But it, it, it sort of highlights the fact that the more you sell, the more time you have to put into your prospecting. Too often I see in, in an office like ours, when agents get busy, they spend all of their time selling their stock. And then when it's all sold, they start looking for new stock which gives them a month gap where nothing happens because they've got nothing to sell. Yeah. So the key is to balance this out. So as you sell one, you need to put one in. It's like taking lollies out of the bowl. When you take one out, you've got to put another one in. Yeah. And you're saying you put two in and take one out. Yeah. So that leads me to the next question here. Um, how many listings do you think a team like yours, remembering you're a team of four mm -hmm. to support people and you and Julia, how many listings can you run a month and still give your, your clients good service? Well, um, average probably between eight to ten. Okay. Yeah, eight to ten. Um, we sometimes we had like a twelve, fifteen. Um, that was like a really busy time, and um, like I said, last quarter we sold properties too quickly when the market started to change. Yes. Uh, we had a little bit like a shortfall, and uh, we only did like a three or four, you know, uh, open houses on the weekend, which is very unusual. We normally for you, do for you it is yes. Yeah, very unusual. Feels like, oh gosh, this is extremely quiet. <laughs> Uh, but now it's back to normal. So we do like, um, you know, um, uh, nine or eight or nine uh, open houses or 10 open houses a weekend. Yeah. So I think eight to 10 listings, it's good. For a team of your size. Yeah. yeah. So for a single agent, you could have that. But so often I see that our agents will start phoning me at two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon for report backs and contacting clients, which just indicates they don't have enough stock. So unfortunately, it's some bad news for new agents here. We work on weekends. I see offices all around us telling me now that they don't open on Sundays. Let me just say from an old principal's point of view, this is absolute madness. We work on weekends. No, no, we you, do, you do, you do. But, but there yeah. are offices all around us now that don't open on Sundays. They're actually attracting agents to their office by saying, we don't open on Sundays. Well, if you don't, you will stay poor. The trick to this is, guys, you've got to work hard on the weekends. Good offices and good um, operators like Sam and Julia would probably have six to eight opens every Saturday and every Sunday. That's game day. If you want to play golf, play on Tuesday or Wednesday. Right, but exactly. when the customers are available to buy property, you need to be out there. If you're not, you're not committed, you will never be as successful as Sammy. You know, you know one thing I like about our business is and you really can manage your own time. So, you know, uh, even though we work on the weekends, but you can take a Friday off, or Thursday off, Absolutely. whatever you, you, know, if you feel like, as long as you have time for your clients and you have time to do your normal 
drill, like you know, prospecting and mm. meeting clients and negotiations. It's fine. For example, like a Monday, seven o'clock onwards, and it's my tennis time. I say to every single client, "I'm sorry if you want to see me, see me before six or after nine o'clock, <laughs> because seven to nine o'clock I will be at a tennis. So you know, I'm not going to pick up any phone calls." And Tuesday morning is podcast time. Yeah. So this is this <laughs> is not right. this is not right time. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We've covered prospecting. So the next thing is client retention. So an observation that I've made of your business is that your business has been largely due in latter years to repeat business. Um, what special things do you do that make people return to you time after time? So once you've dealt with them, we very seldom lose those clients. If, you, if they buy or sell through you, then two years later and three years later, we're still dealing with the same people. This goes against what most agents do. Once they've dealt with them, mm. they stop contacting them because they think, well, they've bought a house or sold a house. There's no further need to talk to them. But your agent, your, your customers seem to come back and back and back many times. So do you do special things for these people that they seem locked into you for the long term? Well, I think that's relationship building. Um, we, you know, that's why we have Sally on board and uh, she will basically, she will have a list now, um, just to calling people, just to talk to them, you know, if it's a three months or one month, for example, one month and settlement after settlement and three months just and one year. So like, oh, you know, you do you know, you actually you have uh, bought a house already for, you know, a year. So this is your one year anniversary or something. So this uh, is direct contact. It's not marketing. It's a it's a personal contact by somebody in your team to that person. Yeah, yeah. Just Sally will call them and say, hi, Mr. Mrs. Milan, and uh, just congratulations. You do you understand that, you know, actually you moved the house a year ago. Um, yeah, so, and people, oh, really? I don't even realize. And um, yeah, and also, of course, and each year we organize our um, uh, Chinese New Year party. Uh, that's a point of a difference as well. So when everybody's busy celebrating Christmas, uh, we let them to do their thing. So come to the Chinese New Year and we just organize the function, nice function, yes. and invite our clients. It is a great way to, <coughs> to show our culture as well and show our true identity, you know. I'll elaborate on that. We started that four years ago or five years ago mm -hmm. where Sam said, let's invite our clients to a Chinese New Year. And I think we probably had, I'm, I'm just having a stab at this, but I think 30 people. And then last year we had it at the casino and we probably had Christ, 200 people. So yeah, yeah. it just grows and grows and grows. And I think we could make it bigger if you invited everybody. Yeah. So I'm, I think that's the end of the real estate. People are probably getting tired of hearing from us, Sammy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish off with a, with a few things. So this one I get asked. Maybe you don't, but I get asked a lot. You've had many, many opportunities to open your own business, go into partnerships <coughs> with various other offices that have asked you um, to share your skills. You've made lots of money over the last five years. I mean, there's no secret about this now. So certainly for you and Julia, this is no longer a money game. You're not doing this to make more money. You've, you've made lots of money over the years. So what, what presses your buttons? Why do you keep going? You're the five times champion. You want to make it six, <coughs> ten? What, what keeps Sammy going to be number one? Because you could easily stop selling and become a principal and sort of take my chair if you if you wanted and just guide others. But you seem to be absolutely focused on being the best and still have the same motivation as you had when you started. What, how do you do that? Now, th that's probably the, the main reason why I team up with Julia around 10 years ago because we had the same core value. 
um, and we're very, very self-driven. Mm. Um, and, and like you said, that, that, that's, that's right. Um, we, we work very hard, you know, um, it's not just purely for money. I think it's kind of like a joy. Mm. Um, and, and also it's kind of like self-recognition as well. Um, and I think it is important, for example, I, I speak for myself, um, and to prove to myself that, you know, I moved to this country 17 years ago and to learn English and I wanted to establish myself in this new um, new place, and, um, and which I believe I have done it. And I just want to make sure and I continue doing it and then, um, you know, I feel the move is worth it. Yes. And also um, because we now see our clients, like every time we're selling properties, not just like a, you know, your real estate agent is selling a property. I do see each property and each client is like a brand new project. I love to you know, do the project management, you know, and I think it's very important because each individual is different. And it's so much fun to meet so many different people and they have different personalities and they have different needs. And you know, the best joy right now for me is not seriously um, I'm saying this, um, some people think, oh, no, that's not true. But uh, I'm saying it, you know, from my bottom of my heart. My best joy is not when Teresa pay me the check. <laughs> it's not, no. no. My best joy, it is when the vendors and they, 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 they write a really nice testimonial. And they were just like, they gave you a big hug and said, oh, come on, this is, uh, Sam, this is, uh, you know, the, the best day of our life or something like mm. that. And I feel that's my best joy. That's fantastic. Yeah. Sammy, I'm going to ask two last questions, not real estate attached. So, you travel a lot. So, Sammy works really hard, but then he takes time out and he goes somewhere, and you'll see him posting from some exotic mountain or whatever. So, in your recent travels, where's the best place you visited? My uh, very recent travel, I loved uh, Rio. In Rio Brazil, good? yeah. Okay. In Brazil. Just the culture, the people, what, what did you enjoy about it? I, I, you know, like when I travel to those places, and I, like I said, I love, you love traveling, I love traveling too, because we work hard. And uh, I think it's very important, I think, it, the message to a lot of the new people as well. Mm. Uh, you need to work very hard to establish yourself, but also you need to have a balance in your life. And what's the purpose of working hard? You know, we have to ask us the question, what's the purpose of, you know, working so hard? Because we want to enhance, uh, enhance or improve our life quality, is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you don't really enjoy it, and then you lose that purpose, you know, a lot of people just okay, let's go, let's go, and become like a robot. Yeah. If you, you lose that purpose, so there's a very important balance. And when I travel, the reason why I love traveling is like because I'm very cultural, and I love to uh, see different cultures and um, um, different, you know, the countries. Um, and when I go to places, for example, like Brazil, um, make me feel so grateful, so happy. Not just their, their passion, their culture, and it's the, the attitude towards the life, the happily, happiness, and, and the true happiness. So make me feel so grateful. You know, I have a lot of things they don't have. And I just read something uh, not two days ago, and someone just said, the true happiness is, you know, not you try to get what you want. It's enjoy what you have. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, like you look at all these poor kids. Last time I went to Rio and I went to this uh, uh, village. Um, I believe a lot of celebrities have been there as well. And, and people are so so poor there. And uh, they are so happy, you know. And the, 
they, they, they have very small TV, um, you know, the kids running on the ground, uh, running on the, on the floor, and then they're just, you know, playing soccer, for example. Uh, but you just see them, like, they're really happy. <laughs> you know, so like, yeah, yeah it's, it's unbelievable. So I went to the top of the village, and um, I sat on the balcony, and I looked into the, one of the best views in the world. I looked at you know, a beautiful harbor, you know. I said to myself, oh, my God, you know, and, and you know, we had come to this place and for a purpose. So, you know, uh, make me feel very, very fortunate and grateful. So when you come back to work, you really, you know, put yourself, you know, into the work at 100, 200%. You just said, okay, I need to work very hard because Absolutely. this opportunity, <coughs> if you don't take it, you might never have it again. I think that leads into something, you know, I came from Africa 25 years ago, so I've seen poverty too. And immigrants work hard because they've seen real poverty. I think Australians are extremely lucky to be born in this place, but sometimes I'm not sure they appreciate it because the place is so good and there is no poverty here. They kind of don't know what's out there um, and sometimes lose sight of the fact that we get it very lucky here and we should be grateful for it. Okay, we, we yeah. can't get into that, and that's the next topic. We'll All go right. to religion. So <laughs> tell me about Sammy. Last question. I Sammy said two questions before. That was, oh, I invented one. <laughs> Sammy, 10 years from now. I'll be 54. Well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I'll be 73, Sam, but we won't be together. <laughs> um, so what are you going to be doing 10 years from now? Honestly, I, I haven't really thought that far, but I said to myself, I really want to retire when I turn 50. <laughs> <laughs> Six years to go. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll leave together. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah and, and I think, uh, no, I don't think I will be retired, retired. I'll be probably semi-retired because I, like, you know, I'm very... And uh, semi-retired means what? Doing what? Developments? Doing possibly, yeah, possibly, marketing, yeah. yeah. We okay. might have a joint venture. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Sam, thanks so much. We've got to wind it up now. Yeah. Um, Really appreciate your time no and, and hopefully all the, the new guys and people in the office are going to get something from this. Thanks Fantastic. very much. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you. Thank you.